Hello, and welcome to The Bite, Hope Brooklyn's weekly podcast for bite-sized spiritual thoughts to inspire you as you center your life around God's great story. Thanks so much for listening. Well, hello, Hope Brooklyn. We want to welcome you back to The Bite, our monthly podcast episodes around topics that we think might help you. My name is Greg, and I'll be your host. I'm here today with our pastoral resident, Ryan, and today we're going to be talking about the topic transitions. What does it mean for believers? What does it mean for non-believers? What does the Bible have to say about it? Um, and mostly, Ryan, what do you think about it? Uh, first of all, how are you doing today, Ryan? How do you feel? I'm feeling good. I mean, it's a heat wave right now. Yeah. So I just got the text from Con Ed saying, you know, don't run any unnecessary appliances. Sure. And I look at Times Square, I'm like, that's like an <laughs> unnecessary appliance, but Absolutely. I'm let my AC rock. So you on the topic of transitioning, you ready to transition to fall probably. Oh, I'm ready to fall. I can live in a perpetual fall. Yeah. Hoodies. Hoodies. Lattes. That's it. Boom. Yes. <laughs> well, on a more serious note, Ryan, wh- why don't you tell us when you hear the word transition, uh, what are some things that come to mind for you? Yeah, great. So I think when I hear transition, I think change. Mm. Um, you know, Thomas Aquinas um, kind of says, you know, the difference between the creator and the creature is change. He writes that, you know, in God, there's no potentiality, that God never changes. Mm. But creatures, we change. Right. We get older. We grow wiser. Right. We're always changing. So kind of the nature and substance of life is change, sure. is the reality that things do not remain the same. Right. And so I think transition and change is woven in, in woven into the fundamental fabric of reality that you know we you know we were just joking about seasons but seasons mm. is emblematic of change it's right. transition we move from a season of 95 degrees in pools and then we move to all of a sudden we're now in the winter time we're in this place where all of a sudden there's snow yeah. and cold and so for me transition and change when i think of it First, I think of change. I think it's just a natural part of life. Yeah. And so it's something we need to learn to wrestle with because I think as humans, we're creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. And so even though we know change is a reality, we prefer things to be the same. That's we good. prefer we, Not that we prefer stagnation per se, but we prefer consistency. Right. So it's ironic to be in a world where change is always inevitable, but right. yet prefer some sort of consistency, which is, I think is some sort of eternal longing. We're, we're longing mm. for Eden, which was this perfectly consistent, beautiful kind of existence. And then all of a sudden we're thrust into a world where there's change, but it's not always for the better. Right. That's interesting. I want to unpack that a little bit because would you say that, man, that was good. The, the way you described the human tendency to desire habit and consistency would you say that that's indicative of the God in us, that that piece of us that he placed, or that piece of himself that he placed inside of us, do you think that that is indicative of a creator, that we would be constantly looking for uh, consistency in a world that is not always that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we talk about this biblical idea of shalom. You know, shalom means more than just, like, peace, like a cease from war. It means wholeness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're all in pursuit of living living in that wholeness, you know, that seventh day rest. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, we see kind of, we see kind of mirrored in the Sabbath is that we're all looking for that, that space, that place where, where we can trust that things are going to go well. Mm. We're going to trust that things are going to 
go in such a way as we won't be shocked right. or taken aback or scared yeah. or have anxiety. Um, and because we live in a world that's constantly changing, where I think we're constantly longing for some sort of consistency. Sure. But we want to know that our predictions are going to be correct. Right, yeah. We, we, yeah we want, I think we want some level of, you know, like you ever been to a house that's like, you know, temperature control. Sure. You know, you have, you have that kind of, that AC system that keeps the whole house mm. a certain temperature. There's, there's a certain comfort, right? Because, you know, prone to being in a house, like in most New York City apartments where they get one room that hot, yeah. one room really cool. <laughs> and like, it's just, it just makes your life so much more difficult to be constantly transitioning. Like, I got to put a hoodie on in this room. Right. I got to take it off in my bedroom. Right. I think we kind of look for that sort of consistency in our lives. Like, are we going to ever find a space where everything is the same, where everything is whole? Yeah. That's great, man. Even as you painted that picture, I think about the ease and the freedom to move about when you can be sure that the temperature in the next room is the same as it is in this room. And I feel like you're reading my mail right now because <laughs> there is an ease to life when you can be certain about what the next thing is. What, what would you say about the way we see transition in our world right now, just in the world around us right now? Like, what, what, what do you see in the human condition as we're all in this state of transition? Yeah, I think so. I think it's first thing, first thing to acknowledge, not all transition is bad. Mm. Um, you know, I think though we long for maybe some sort of rest, that all transition isn't isn't terrible. It's, mm-hmm. it's just a natural course of life. Sure. But there are those transitions um, that are damaging, that mm-hmm. are painful, that take a toll. I think right now, I think we're seeing a few transitions in society. Yeah. Um, there's the obvious um, sort of transitions we've all had to make in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. But I think outside of like, you know, the headline news, I think there's some cultural transitions happening. You know, you have a lot of of commentators saying we live like in a post-modern society Mm -hmm. or post-Christian society. And so now as a society, we're trying to figure out, well, if post-modernism rejects all like what's called meta-narratives, like these kind of grand stories we tell ourselves about reality. Sure. Well, if we've rejected all those then we have to transition, try to figure out, okay, so what does life mean now? Yeah, what is true? Right. Yeah. And if we've rejected God, mm-hmm. we have to now figure out how to live in a world without God. I was just reading, um, you know, the brothers Karamazov and his great book and the character Ivan, you know, he has this thing where he says, well, you know, if God is dead, if God's not real, then everything's permissible. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind of transitioning to into that in our society. Sure. So we have to figure out like, okay, what, what does ethics look like now? Right. What does living well look like in a world in which the majority of the culture has kind of moved past these, with, with, um, for them, would be these seemingly barbaric or ancient ways of viewing the world. So we're, having, yeah. we're making that big, those big cultural transitions. Yeah. And I think at the same time, um, on a more local level, I mean, you know, we're all transitioning every day. Right. We're all making changes and I think part of being a New Yorker and living in the city mm-hmm. is one of being ready for change right. you know like you, to, to ride the subway requires capacity <laughs> to deal with change at any moment at, at any, any moment at any stop you know all of a sudden the F line's not running now right. now the E's running here like it, sure. so I think we're dealing with these grand big changes I think yeah every day is just dealing with local um, change and the question becomes like, how do we deal with that? Yeah, that's good. That's that's a perfect segue actually to my next question because 
Um, we obviously wouldn't assume that everyone uh, who listens to this podcast mm-hmm. will be God fearing, will be Bible reading. But if they were, if someone were to be inquisitive about how they would navigate transition in any in any scenario, whether it be because of COVID or just at any point yeah. in their life, like what what examples do we have in the Bible that would help someone go, okay, this might help me in this season? Yeah, great. I think, um, first off, I think the wisdom literature um, in the Old Testament, so specific, mm-hmm. specifically Ecclesiastes and Job, mm-hmm. um, are great resources for just understanding that the Christianity has a slot in its kind of mental kind of framework mm-hmm. for the seeming randomness and chaos of change. Sure. Um, Ecclesiastes, the writer Kohelet, who's kind of the primary voice speaking in the book, mm-hmm. he's wrestling with this idea that life seems crazy. Yeah. It's, it can seem disordered. And it changes. And, you know, he said has this whole famous line in chapter 3. He said, you know, there's a time for peace, there's a time mm-hmm. for war, there's a time yeah. for sowing, time for reaping. That life to, to live and be a human is to have change. Yeah, wow. And so Ecclesiastes, Kohel is trying to wrestle with, okay, I seem to know and believe these things about God, but I'm seeing all these chaotic changes in the world. Um, uh, he's wrestling with the idea of like, okay, you make a lot of money and all of a sudden you die. Right. And where's that money go to, right? <laughs> sure, like, sure. He, you know, he pursues, he says, I pursued all the pleasures of the world and realized, okay, this pleasure means nothing. So right. I think his... His honest interpretation of like, wow, life seems, he says, he has this word, hevel, which is Hebrew for vapor. Mm. And we kind of translate it sometimes as meaningless. That life is like, trying to understand the changes in life mm. is like trying to grasp vapor. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, ever like, you know, you know, a little candle blew it out and the smoke and it, it's like, tr- it looks really solid and you try to grab it it's and it dissipates. And so like, that's. I think he's just acknowledging trying to figure out why changes happen is yeah. often like that. Wow. And I think that's a humbling, comforting place to be in because we, then we realize this, okay, this might be beyond our knowledge, which mm-hmm. brings us to Job in which, right, we read in Job that um, he, he suffers, he loses everything. Mm-hmm. All his friends try to explain his suffering. Yeah. And it's what we do as humans. We try to explain change, explain transition. We try to give reason to it. Sure. And in the end, you know, God finally responds, and God doesn't give him an answer why his life is such. Dra- why has Job gone through this sudden drastic transition? He doesn't yeah. give him an answer. What he does is he gives Job a new frame of reference in which he tells Job, like, you know, can you bind up Leviathan, the great sea dragon? Can were you there when I set in motion? Right. And so, like, yeah. I low key hate that response. By the yeah, way, every yeah. time I read that that book in particular, I'm just like. Yeah, yeah, you just flexed. You did. You never answered. You yeah, just and, and I think that's the whole point. I think he's getting Job like, unless you have my mm-hmm. cosmic perspective, right? You'll you, you'll never be able to fathom why things happen the way they happen. Yeah, that's great. And so Job's response is, God, I presume too much. Mm-hmm. I presume to know. And so God tells Job, "You've spoken rightly of me," and He tells him about his friends. But your friends friends have spoken wrongly of me. Why? Because they presume, presume to be able to figure out why God is doing what he's doing. That's a presumption no human is qualified to make. And so I think that also gives us perspective. Like, okay, if Ecclesiastes is, is Ecclesiastes telling us, man, trying to figure this out is meaningless. Yeah. God is then telling us in Job, that's why it's my job. Mm. And warning us of the presumption to try to... You know, I, I don't know if you've met someone like this or just engaged with someone like this, but like, you know, 
you know, when something, a tragedy happens, like, I, I remember a few years ago, there was an earthquake in Haiti, and people were, like, writing headlines, you know, this is God's judgment. Like, who are you yeah. to presume that's why what happened, right. what happened? Like, right. that's, a, that's a whole different conversation. But again, it's like, who are you to presume? Yeah. Like, you know, who are you to presume that this is happening the way it's happening? You know, God, the majesty, God is mad and majestic. He's transcendent. He, he, he sees in ways we don't see. And so to, to try to presume or, or, yeah. or to give some arbitrary reasons for the change that's happening in our lives is right. is ultimately meaningless, like, like Ecclesiastes says. So I think those would be two good resources. And then ultimately, my, my, I would encourage you to read Revelation. Um, you know, Revelation is not this big, scary book at the end of the Bible. I was going to say, you, you, you got to preface that, right? <laughs> you know, everyone, Revelation gets such a bad review, bro. Such yeah, and I think it gets a bad review when you make it weird and you make it about, like, you know, helicopters and, you know, <laughs> Israel... Um, yeah. And its political power, and you know, right. and, you know, and you have a certain theological view of Revelation. But ultimately, Revelation is a letter, number one, written, written to a suffering, persecuted Christian community mm-hmm. to give them hope about God's ultimate renewal of all things. Mm-hmm. And so, once you put it in that context, you know, the author John is speaking to this community at suffering, um, and. He's giving them a framework in which to frame their suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of you know being in the ancient Roman world, being a Christian, is a scary thing. And sure. talk about transition and change, where you have to you you have gone from being probably being an accepted, loved member of like your of this city mm-hmm. in Rome in, in the Roman Empire. All of a sudden, you're this rejected person. Right. You don't participate in the things everyone else participates. Now you have to deal with this transition, and now all of a sudden, this transition has turned into now my life is at stake. Right, and so. And, and John in Revelation is giving them framework in which how to process that, which is one thing we can hold on to is that there's this ultimate hope at God's renewal of all things in the end. Mm. And so what every Christian community reads Revelation and every generation mm-hmm. is that in light of all the chaos that's happening, in light of in light of what we face and what it costs to follow Jesus, there's this ultimate hope we can anchor on to. Right. And so while I may not understand that's everything that's happening on this side mm-hmm. of new creation, I at least know what's awaiting me. And so that gives me the ability to stand firm and stand steadfast. Right. So I, I think those would be some good resources. I think <laughs> you said a lot in, in a good way, though, in a good way, because you touched on so many things just now. You touched on this idea, this idea that fear, we're surrounded by fear sometimes when transition happens. Um, you painted that picture of, you know, what it's like to exist in a particular time, in a particular place with particular habits. Mm-hmm. You make one decision and you can no longer go to the places you used to go. You probably can't show your face in the daytime, right? Yeah. Like you're probably traveling by night at this point right, right, right. because the decision you just made would bring such ramifications, right? But something you you said really sparked thought in me. It even gave me chills just now. I'm not saying a lot because it's hot. <laughs> but what, what I'm hearing in what you just said is that a lot of what is behind the anxiety with transition and change mm-hmm. is our lack of control for what's yeah. happening. Would you say that's what you were kind of... Yeah. I think we have this capacity to want to be in control. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is this sense, you know, if the original temptation um, in the garden is, you know, you will be like God, which means, you know, essentially the offer is, you know, you you get to determine what's good and what's evil for yourself. Right. It's, it's, it's the offer of self-determination. Mm-hmm. 
um, that you get to play the role that God was previously playing. I think so. We, we that that first temptation is still present in all of us. Mm-hmm. There's still this temptation to be the one who is ultimately in control. Yeah. Who ultimately has the final say. And I think you know. In a world where we can't explain everything that happens to us, you know, there's some there's some changes we go through that are obvious. I made X decision. Yeah. You know, we're going. I took a new job, so we're going to move across the country. Like right. that. Okay. There's there's a cause and effect here. Yeah. There's some changes and transitions we go through that we never expect or never yeah. see coming. Yeah. And our desire to try to fit that into a framework. You know, you know, humans are meaning making machines. Mm-hmm. We want to make meaning out of everything. Um, and ultimately, to be a Christian is to ultimately put faith in God and trust His telling of the events. Mm-hmm. To trust that, you know, Hebrews 11 has this great kind of list of people living by faith. And then it gets to this end and it says, you know, there are those who died by the sword, those in chains and imprisoned, those, you know, who are sawed in half. Um, <laughs> And then and that's then, a transition for sure. Yeah, <laughs> and then the last line is, is that, and and these the world were not was not worthy of. So referring all those people who died Jesus. in faith, and so that's a radically different perspective yeah. on those events. And so I think to be a Christian is, is to try to adopt God's perspective, which means we don't deal with the suffering of change or yeah. the pain of change, or we ignore it like it's not there. But it does give us some sort of perspective other than ours and to trust that perspective yeah. and then that all oh, like i told before in revelation that ultimate perspective of new creation anchors us in the middle of of, of the seeming chaos now but also yeah it's, it's this fear this fear and fear breeds this desire to control mm-hmm. and i think part of being uh, following the way of jesus is ceding that control yeah um ceding that desire to sort of put my ducks in a row mm-hmm. um and trust that I may be powerless to do anything about this change. Just like as, as, as I am powerless to stop the, the changing of spring to winter. Right. Just as I am powerless to stop that, <laughs> I can also trust God enough to say I'm powerless to do anything about this change, but I know that I know he's somewhere in this yeah. present. I love that. I love that. Man, this picture of... When you talk about relinquishing, I mean completely surrendering your desire to control and be subject to whatever transition may be brought about. Yeah. And you use the seasons to describe that. And and automatically when you when you said that I thought to myself, man, I got to buy a winter coat. <laughs> and I, I wonder if the way that humans ought to deal with transition as it as it is in, from our perspective is to simply prepare. Like, hey, yeah. I can't stop winter from coming, but I could go buy a winter coat. Yeah. Fully understanding that winter will be yeah, I get no say. Mm-hmm. All that I can do is prepare myself for what I believe is to come. Yeah, I think that's always been like the Christian tradition has always like valued the contemplative life. Mm-hmm. So you know, like ancient monastics, they had like the contemplative life and the active life. So the active life would be like our lives, the life sure. of just doing work, vocation. Then the contemplative life, one of stillness, silence, solitude, mm-hmm. prayer, and they begin to make a connection that the contemplative life, this. Um, you know, th- this idea, number one, that God is being itself. So God doesn't have being like we, so we exist, we have being, mm-hmm. but God himself is being itself. He, he is like 
God doesn't have joy. God is joy. Yeah. God doesn't have goodness. He is goodness. So God is so in one sense, God is this perpetual, eternal present. Mm-hmm. So God is always present. And so to be contemplative and to be in prayer is to avail ourselves of God's holy present. Yeah. To and, and to learn to if for a moment participate in God's existence, which is to not be God is not concerned about the past, yeah. nor is he anxious about the future because he just is. He just is yeah. You know, he says Moses, no, I am who I am, or one translation, I will be who I will be. In other words, I am pr- I, I am just it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I don't worry about the past, I don't concern myself about the future because I am just present. Yeah. And to pray and, and to contemplate is to orient ourselves towards that reality to say, though the world will kind of the world rages around me I'm going to be present to you God and experience the peace that comes from your perpetual present right Um, and that then prepares us to go live in the active world Mm -hmm. to now we live from this place of serenity and peace because we've taken a moment to commune with someone who is eternally present right who doesn't have anxieties about the past past or or cares about the future because he just is yeah. something and happens when we kind of face that and we face a yeah. being so great who is that right there's no way you're not affected by that and because we're in so here's the crazy thing because we're in Christ we share yeah. in, we share with Christ that connection to the father that that Christ is this bridge and by the spirit mm-hmm. that we share in the gifts of the father. One of the gifts is that peace that surpasses all yeah. understanding that peace that comes from orienting ourselves by gazing at the sun. When we we're able to see everything else, you know, yeah. we're able to we're, discern the rest of the world. And so by gazing at God through the sun, by the spirit, I get access to this perspective that breeds peace in me because God's perspective is one that is like, like the fancy would be like atemporal outside mm. of time. Mm. God doesn't exist primarily in time. He exists outside of time. And, and thus he's, thus he's immune to the cares and concerns that worry us because he simply is. Yeah. Change. What's, what has changed when I've been there? Yeah. will be there. Yeah. I don't think, Talking to you is always impressive because you're so full of knowledge, right? But I don't think that you just read something five minutes before we were going to record this. I wonder if there's um, a, pic- a particular season of transition in your life that you may draw from while we're on this topic. Like, <laughs> that may have taught you, maybe not everything you need to know, but yeah. like, give you a little gem about, hey, don't forget about this the next time you face a transition. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like I've been, li- my wife and I have been living in transition for the past two years, mm-hmm. you know? Um, end of 2019, we left a church we were part of for a long time, left behind a job, to kind of say, God, what's next? Yeah. Um, and then we had the privilege of getting a residency opportunity here at Hope Brooklyn. Um, and then the pandemic hit. Yeah. And, um, and then being a resident, a pastoral resident, is predicated on change mm-hmm. because it's for a certain amount of time. And... You know, you fall in love with the community, and we really love the people at Hope Brooklyn. And but then you're also preparing, like, okay, like we might have to move on because that's the point of residency. So right. this whole season has been change. Um, and I think so. What I've in the beginning, kind of like after we kind of left that job and that church, and we kind of I had this kind of period of time. Maybe the first two months of the year, where I was still living off my severance, and you know. 
And there was I, I I'm not usually an anxious person, mm-hmm. um, but I felt anxious like never before because it was the first time in my life I things did not go the way I thought they were going. So I think you know if you would have talked to me five years ago, like I would have had a different vision of how my life was going to play out. Right. Um, you know, you when you spend so long in some place, like we said, we love consistency. You think you're gonna be there forever. Yeah. And all of a sudden, now I was, I was in this space, like, okay, like, yeah, life took a different turn. Yeah. And I felt this su- supreme anxiety of like, wow, like, I don't know what's. I, this is one of the first times in my life where I'll tell Jesus, like, I don't know what's next. Are and, you over? Are you like an overly prepared kind of person by nature? Like, do you just <sighs> like to know? Like, I feel like you packed two t-shirts just in case it'll rain, just in case you spill barbecue sauce. No, I packed two t-shirts because I'm vain. Okay. (laughs) I gotta have outfit changes. But, um, no, I I don't think that I'm, like, so overly prepared in that, like, the way my life had gone up until that point, which is, like, you know, it was kind of just open door to open door. I never really had to think too much. Yeah. And this is the first time, it's crazy, this is the first time I had options Mm -hmm. in the sense that Every door, like there was, there was, there was not like the the world was my oyster in, in some sense, and I didn't know what to do. So there still was this fear around transition, yeah. Even with you having a little bit of control about what, yeah. Was and that was that was the fearful part. It was wow. this, when I make this decision, our lives will fundamentally change. Yeah. And am I am I ready for that change? Do I want that change? Yeah. And so yeah, I think in that season, towards the beginning, dealing with anxiety, I had to find some way to deal with it to Mm -hmm. sort of grapple with it and I think I began like in the beginning my prayers were really long and I was like really asking God like God what should I do blah 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 and as the season went on my prayers got shorter and shorter Mm -hmm. and shorter and shorter what was that what was that a response to I think was response to I think in my prayers I was trying to being in control. Mm. I was trying to pray in such a way where I could like trick myself into willing oh some sort God. of outcome. You're too smart. <laughs> yeah. and so what I realized was is if I said less and I was still more, mm. I would have to eventually confront the reality of the unknown. Right. And I just had this conviction that if I started to do that maybe I'd meet God there. Maybe God wasn't in the 10-step plan I wanted. Maybe God was in the unknown place, you know? You're rocking a lot of worlds right now. (laughs) A lot of, like, you know, I mean, like, myself included. Like, I had this thought process that I will set out a plan for my life. Yeah. God will come along for the ride. Yeah. Obviously, that it's nothing like that. Yeah. And I think think that was the first time I had to really do that, to, like, pull on those resources of... God, I have no clue what to do. Yeah. And so I'm just going to wait on you. Yeah. And it sounds maybe a cliche or like a platitude, but I don't know. I, 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 I think that's when the anxiety sort of started to settle. Mm-hmm. That's when I realized, okay, God, transition is coming, change is coming, but as long as you're with me yeah, and cool. as long as you're present, um, even when you see Mapson, I know you're still present. Mm-hmm. I know we're going to be okay. And so, or like this seeding of control, this saying, okay, God, 
you have your way to do what you will. Yeah. And, you know, that's how we ended up here at Hope Brooklyn doing this residency. And, you know, that's, you know, it's just, that was just the moment of like, was I going to give up? Mm. Was I going to say, finally, God, have your way? Mm. You know, this idea of, you know, oftentimes we pray as Christian, oh Lord, have your will, have your way. And we don't think about the ramifications of that. Like, <laughs> right. what happens when we actually cede ourselves to the will of God? Now, I want to say this. It does also make us passive. Yeah. Like, we're not passive agents. Like, I also was firmly convinced that time, was it what, like you said before, it was great. Like, I still needed to prepare. Mm-hmm. Whatever that thing was going to be, yeah. I still needed to prepare for it. And so... It just became about, like, you know, watching and waiting. You know, there's this, in this verse about, you know, be, being the watchtower, being the watchman on the watchtower, you know, yeah. you're waiting. And th- that is a lot of the Christian life, being the watchman on the watchtower, watching and waiting. I got to stop you right there. Because <laughs> I've been a Christian about 10 years. Um, I mean, I've walked with God all my life, right? Growing up in Catholicism and then entering into relationship with Jesus about 10, 11 years ago. What you just said, I wish somebody told me the day I made that decision. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is, I would say, the epitome of the Christian walk. Yeah. This idea of waiting, maybe not physically all the time. Yeah. But, like, in this position of, okay, there's a response coming to my decision to be on this journey. Yeah. Where were you 10 years ago, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, when you think about it, like, the entire church is waiting for the return of Jesus. Man, that's good. So, like... It should be no surprise that part of the Christian life is this it's waiting aspect because we are a people that are awaiting yeah. the return of Jesus and the fullness of his kingdom. And so we can't be shocked. But like that's why, you know, we're in August, we're about to, you know, get into the fall. When we in the fall we hit Advent. Mm-hmm. And Advent, um, you know, Adventus in Latin is this is this idea of waiting. It's mm-hmm. the waiting of the revealing. And that Advent, you know, I think Carl Barth said, he said, you know, Advent is the season of the church. Mm-hmm. The church is awaiting, we are awaiting people. It's crazy. And so what we have to do is learn how to live in the messy middle between what Christ has done and what Christ will do. Yeah. And in our own lives, we're in the messy middle of just every day is, is stuck in the middle between past and present. And yeah. we have to figure out, Lord, who am I going to be today? And... I can do I can do nothing about yesterday. Mm-hmm. I can do nothing about tomorrow. Yeah. So just help me to wait and, be, and and live well today. Man, I got beef with every pastor, leader, <laughs> public speakers. The way we're sitting here, I wish the listeners could see the yeah. relaxed position you've taken <laughs> as you say this very big thing. Because yeah. I, I I can't speak for everyone. I've seldom heard in the things that I've listened to or the things that I've read that a majority of our response to salvation is this waiting. Yeah. And I think that I always thought we go through seasons of waiting. Yeah. But if I can be honest, as you say that, and I reflect on my journey with Christ, so much of it is waiting on what to do next. Or uh, I believe I'm supposed to do this, but I have to wait for this confirmation or just always this waiting for what's next. And, I think that, I mean, I'm not sure how many people would sign on if this was presented more aggressively in the beginning that, hey, like, get ready for a lot of waiting. And it's not a bad thing, but it's part of what it looks like. It's, you know, the idea of waiting well. Yeah. You know, this this concept of 
as the change and the ebbs and flows happen, mm-hmm. I can do nothing about those things. What I can do is is be anchored in the midst of it. Yeah. Would that would that be your advice to someone who is ant- anticipating transition or is probably in the middle of transition and like maybe this person is not a believer. Maybe they're mm. just, you know, Joe Schmo from the corner store. It's gone through transition, maybe divorce, maybe a new job. What would be your advice? Like, hey. Yeah. Um, I think my advice would be you don't happen to change, change happens to you. Oof. So you don't happen to transition, transition happens to you. Yeah. So the less you tr- try to exert yourself on the change, the less you try to manage it or control it, the easier it is to go about it. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously, this, this is this is a generalization because all change, different different changes are different. You yeah. Know? Some changes are actually worth fighting, right? Like, that's a whole another conversation. And that's what it takes like wisdom and discernment. But I think mm. ultimately, when change is ha- when change is happening, and specifically maybe change that's somewhat outside of your control, or maybe yeah. it's in your control somewhat, but you've committed to it's happening. Sure. Let it happen Let it to happen. you. Um, and I think again, like that's you know, Jesus has this parable about you know. The man who built his house on the rock, the man who built his house on the sand, and you know, the symbolism being, you know, the sand being, you know, the wisdom of, of, of the world, the rock being the word of God. And you know, as with the person who builds their house on the rock, the, the storm happens to them. There's nothing you can do about the storm, it right. happens. They don't try to shut down the storm, they don't cry out to God to, to cease the storm, it just happens to them. Yeah. But because they're rooted in something, the storm can happen to them without breaking them. Great. And I think that's the same kind of principle when it comes to change, is that if we're rooted in in the reality of God, in, in his revelation, in his son Jesus, if we're rooted in that place, yeah. we can allow change and transition to happen to us, and it won't overwhelm or, over, or, or, or overtake us. Yeah. Um, and for the non-believer, my encouragement to you then to be um, the person, you know, maybe seeking or skeptical or whatever have you, um, Try rooting yourself on Jesus and see what happens. Yes, yeah, give it a shot. Um, yeah, like because again, like I always tell people, like you know, Christianity is Christianity is not the type of religion that works based on just nice religious principles. Mm-hmm. You know, it works only works when when the actual inner work of the Holy Spirit's happening. Yeah. So you just can't like you know Christianity you just can't take the you know Thomas Jefferson trying to do this he. He created this his, his own version of the gospel, which kind of took all the miraculous parts out, mm. left all like the nice like ethical stories in, and ultimately that doesn't work because the deep inner resources you need to do mm-hmm. what the script like love your enemies, pray for the persecuted, you, that requires the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. They're not natural. Yeah, and so my if you're some some listening to this, you're like, man, this all sounds great. I want to access some of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then you just got to you know the first act of. The first act of dealing with change is submission, and it's saying, "Jesus, you're Lord, and yeah. I'm not." Man, right? I wish this was called the meal and not the bite. <laughs> I, I promise, man, I could sit here all day and really just unpack your brain on this topic. Um, but I will say, if you are the listener and you have any questions um, about anything we said, or maybe something we didn't say, and you would like to speak to myself or Ryan a bit more, I can be reached at greg at hopebrooklyn.org, and Ryan can be reached at ryan at hopebrooklyn.org, and, you know, we want to know your thoughts on this episode and more. We'd love to know some topics that you guys would love to hear, and uh, we hope that you would subscribe, 
Uh, listen whenever we put these things out because we really do hope that they will help and aid in the lives that you live every day. Um, so this has been Ryan and Greg for The Bite, and we'll see you guys next episode. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of The Bite. To find out more about the mission and ministry of Hope Brooklyn and to subscribe to our other podcasts and lots more, visit us online at www.hopebrooklyn.org.